Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Snap to Josh. Under center. Fakes a handoff. Back to throw. Fires to the end zone. Man wide open. Caught. Touchdown. Gabe Davis. Touchdown, Buffalo. Allen in the shotgun, hands it off. Devin Singletary finds a crease. Singletary on the run, 20, 15, 10, inside the five. Bolts his way into the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. Devin Singletary, 33 yards for the go-ahead touchdown. Snap to Josh, gives it to Cook. Sails over the right side, has first down yardage and more. Inside the 10, inside the five. Touchdown, Buffalo. The rookie, James Cook. Touchdown, Bills. A 27-yard scoring run from James Cook. Josh takes, going to keep it, going to try to run it himself around the right side. Josh heads to the end zone. He is in. Touchdown, Buffalo. Josh Allen runs it in from three yards out. Touchdown, Buffalo Bill. Josh turns, going to keep it himself. Rolls to his right. Fires a pass caught by Dawson Knox into the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. Tech on another touchdown. Dawson Knox makes the catch for the Buffalo touchdown. Well, the Bills win the AFC East Division for the third consecutive year, and they win another game. They now are 12-3 and this season. All right, welcome to a Buffalo football victory Monday. Yes, two days removed from Buffalo's Christmas Eve victory over the Chicago Bears to improve to 12-3 and on the season by a final of 35-13. to But here we are to discuss it with you. For the next three hours, especially if you're one of those snowbound folks who aren't going anywhere. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Three hours to discuss it. And happy Boxing Day to our Canadian listeners. Steve, do you even remember what Boxing Day is about? I had no idea. I couldn't remember. No, I remember. It's an interesting history, though. Uh, Well, I don't know about all that. I don't know about the history and all that, but it's we're Canadians. You box up everything that you take all the boxes that the presents came with and do something with them. Either take some back or get rid of all the boxes that you got all the presents in, right? Something like along those lines. Well, the history in England is a little bit different on it. That might be the Canadian version. I'm not. That's what I thought. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was Um, a British thing. I thought it was a Canadian thing. Yeah. No, it's it's originally from Great Britain. Um, What do I know? It was traditionally a holiday for servants because servants of rich aristocratic families were serving their employers on Christmas. They were working. (laughs) So boxing day, which is the day after Christmas, the servants who were working for their rich aristocratic employers would return home to give their families Christmas boxes. So that's 
that's why it's always the day after Christmas. It's for all of the working class uh, to celebrate Christmas with their families because they're usually working on Christmas. Let me just tell you something. 1600s, 1700s, Victorian era England here. Grandpa and grandma were busting their buns yesterday for (laughs) that. So servant leadership is what it was all about yesterday. Yeah, Uh, it was a, let me tell you, it was a, it was a, it was a great Christmas for us in 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 our household nice. because we had they were all over already, and so the the house was like up, we're up to our neck in people over here. So yeah. it's all you know. If I get you know, I won't get crashed in on this morning, but man, oh man, it was uh, quite the day yesterday. Now, what is what is your snow total, Steve? In uh, I don't your think locale? it's that bad. Two feet, maybe. Oh, okay. Two feet. Yeah, I got I got double that. So, yeah, see, we didn't get that down here. Well, I mean, I'm in East Aurora, straight east of the stadium, about 13 minutes. And yeah, two feet. It's it's not bad here. Now, it's still coming down a little bit now, but yeah. And it was a little windy. We we did not get what Buffalo got. No question about it. Yeah. My wife uh, is second guessing our decision to move from Tonawanda to Lancaster back in 2005. <laughs> she's basically stated that we are not like, you know, you always hear about the snow band and its location. Oh, the South towns are going to get hit. Oh, the North towns are going to get hit. She said she's come to the realization that we are neither the North towns or the South towns. And no matter who's getting the brunt of the snow band, we usually factor in, in some way, shape or form for both. Right. I mean, so so you're right like, you we are really are right where I your mean, house is you're right you are like the overlap of all overlaps yeah and we're like due east uh of the airport by about you know five or ten miles five miles probably not so, even bro you're so not five I was, miles i was looking at the snow totals um from the national weather service and the Buffalo airport actually was leading the way as of Christmas day. That may have changed, but yeah, we're, we're right there with the airport um, at about four feet here. And we got another six inches overnight when the snow band came back North, right? Uh, light fluffy stuff though. Not bad. It, you can move that a lot easier than the original stuff that was flying around. I yeah. This is, this was a different kind of snow than it was like a month and a half ago. And, and uh, you can kind of push this stuff around a little bit. Um, the plow guys are out and about now today. They kind of took, obviously took, everybody took kind of Christmas off because they were a travel ban anyway. can't get around. So nobody's, you know, nobody's really moving around yesterday, but the plow guy came for us midway through Christmas Eve, which was a huge get for us. Right. Um, then, you know, when the travel ban hit, it didn't matter anyway. I don't care who cares right. what the snow falls. And, and in case you're just joining us, Steve and I are radio only today here on One Bills Live for that very reason. Steve's in his house. I'm in mine. Your and study looks your study has more character than mine does. Where are you are you at your in your in your <laughs> this, spoke, we have palatial a little, office here? We have a little game. We have we have a little office. Yeah. Your game balls in the background. And me, I got like coffee. Co- Listen, Mike. My office turned in. It doesn't matter, bro. You should. I know. You should see my office. I was the storage room for the wrapping and the, the, you know, all that stuff. Oh, you were ground zero for Christmas. I I look like Oscar Madison. I mean, oh, does it look like Christmas threw up in your office? Yes, it looks like somebody picked my (laughs) office up, shook it like a martini, and then set it back down. Uh, in in any event, 
what you just listened to at the top of the show was the Toshiba Game Rewind, and it's Toshiba, brought to you by Toshiba, the official copier company of the Buffalo Bills. Bills now 12-3, and three, still atop the conference, which is still very much a tight race, as Steve and I will discuss in due course here. But Buffalo's still at the top. At 12 and three, Kansas City also at 12 and three. Bills have the head to head tiebreaker on them, nipping at their heels. The red hot Cincinnati Bengals, who won again over the weekend, they are now at 11 and four. And that is what has created a Jigundo game a, a, on Monday, a week from today. Yeah, you can, you can call this one anything you want, man. This is. The regular season Super Bowl, regular season huge. What'd you say, Jagundamundo? It's Jagundamundo. Yeah, uh, it's, it's yeah. It, it's essentially going to determine who the number one seed is going well, to be in the AFC for all intents right. and purposes. Obviously, Kansas City and what they do matters, but I, I don't think anybody is expecting Kansas City to have any kind of problem with the wayward Denver Broncos, who are maybe the worst offense in football. Right. That's who the Chiefs have to play next week. Yeah, and, and then think they anybody up, thinks they're going to have any problem dispatching of them. And then they end up with the Raiders, who, you know. Yeah, who might be just as bad. They're six and nine as of today. So, they're yeah, the Raiders will have the engine running for that Week 18 game. The Chiefs are going to be putting their foot on the gas. It's, yeah, the Chiefs are winning out. The Bills got to match them. On the way out, uh, they've mm-hmm. got a much more difficult road because of this Bengals game on Monday night. Now, listen, I know it's a massive game, Brownie. Bills fans know it's a massive game. The Bengals are a really good football team. We've been watching them and kind of fretting about this game. Bills fans have been because it's so massive. But let me tell you something. Bengals fans should be doing the same thing about the Buffalo game. Right. Home or not. Right. I think we know I think we know the atmosphere is going to be pretty charged up for a primetime game down there. Uh, You know, Cincinnati comes out for the big ones for sure. I don't know that week to week they're as good as Bill's fans, but that game, because of what's on the line and because that it's going to be the only game in town uh, and on TV, it's it's going to be a charged atmosphere for sure. But I think the Bills have been in enough of those games where you know, thriving for them won't be an issue. Um, The other thing that we should mention is currently five of the seven AFC playoff seeds have been locked up. That leaves two and the LA chargers. If they win tonight, will lock up a sixth playoff berth that now all of the seedings and where each of these teams finish has not been determined, but six of the seven teams will already qualify for the postseason dance if the Chargers can win tonight. So that would leave one remaining playoff seed for the teams still in the hunt, namely Miami, New England, the Jets, Tennessee, and Pittsburgh at seven and eight, back from the dead. They are back, man. um, Played really well in the game, the the Saturday game to commemorate Franco Harris uh, and Came back to do it. Good for them. Good on them. They're sitting right now, though, Brownie. They're sitting back at the 11 seed right now. But there are four teams with seven and eight records, just like Pittsburgh. And then you've got Miami at eight and seven. Um, <laughs> at some point, we'll discuss what happened to Miami. Uh, I got to say. Tua turned into a pumpkin, Steve. It happened. 
I, I, yeah, that Bills. I have. It's rare that Bills fans seem to take more satisfaction in the failure of a player on another team than they do with Tua. They absolutely revel in his failures, and they kind of they pile on. I think um, and so do a lot of other people. It's not just Bills fans. Uh, be, perhaps it's the attitude of the Miami fans that does it to them or whatever, but man, oh man, I think that's, part we'll get of into it. that later, but yeah, I think that's part of it because when Tua started lighting it up and he was leading the league in passer rating, which I think he still does, even with that God awful fourth quarter yesterday. Um, I, I think the way in which Miami fans came out, I mean, for goodness sakes, people are calling it Tua non. All these right. believers in Tua, uh, <laughs> yeah. because they think it's a figment of their imagination. And yesterday might be an indication that, in fact, it was. I, I think he can still, and like I said, like you said, we'll get into it a little bit later. I think he can still be a good quarterback in this league, but he is he uh, is limited, as you and I have said all along. He I'll, is a limited yes. quarterback. I'll say this too, and the guy who used to cover the Bills for a minute, Marcel Louis Jacques. Uh, is down in Miami covering the Dolphins now. He switched beats from Buffalo to Miami, and he did a, he did some work on it and has been pounding this drum a lot in the early going of this season. And we saw it with the – you can kind of tell this just a casual fan. The Dolphins were really dependent on the big play during that big win streak that they had. They were knocking big plays out of the park. That's how they got back in the game against Baltimore early in the season when they were down, whatever, 28 points or something. Um they got back into it with a big play. Well, teams now are sitting on it and disrupting the flow of the timing of the Dolphins. And they can't, they can't do anything. They can't keep on. They can't stay on the field offensively. And that's yeah. really crushing them. Now, if they hit you for a big play, which they can. Okay. But if you keep a lid on it, they're really struggling uh, to make hay. And that's, you know, and teams are starting to follow that formula. I think uh, a lot here's, and I said this to some buddies of mine uh, on text over the weekend. You look at that Bills-Bears game. Here's what I think, and here's why the Bills are so good. They have beaten teams this year. You name it, they've done it. They beat them with defense. They beat them with pass defense. They beat them with run defense. They beat them with turnovers. Offensively, they beat this Bears team by grinding it out. They ran the ball on them. They've they done were that. Dashing them in the run game. They've done it before with other teams in the run game. They've done it with a short pass. They've done it with a big play, like the Pittsburgh game. Uh, they have done it with Josh running the football, throwing the foot. They have beaten every team on their schedule. Not every team, but they all the teams they've beaten on their schedule. They have done it every way you can imagine for a football team to do. The Bills are good enough all the way down through their roster, tactically and with it, their strengths always outmatch. Your strengths and your weaknesses are they have the guns to make you pay for your weaknesses as a football yeah. team. They have beaten everybody every different way. That's why the Bills are so hard to beat. How, whatever it takes on Sunday to beat your team, they got it. They right. got it. And that's and I know, why they're that's why they never lose by more than a couple of points. Right. And I know that a lot of people are going to look at the final score and say, oh, the offense put up 35 points and the run game was fantastic. And the run game was fantastic. 254 yards on the ground. They could have had 300 if they wanted to. If they ran the ball more, they could have had 300 yards easy. It's the most rushing yards for the Bills since 2016. And I, I think as, as great and as encouraging as the running game was, what won this football game for Buffalo was the defense. And it's not yeah. even close. The right. defense absolutely shined. 
on Saturday from start to finish. Justin Fields had his lowest rushing output of the season against the Bills, seven carries for 11 yards. The Bills defense, Steve, had 10 tackles for loss in the game. 10. 10 tackles for loss. That's no uh, joke, man. That is a fat number for, for people that don't really look at those on a week-to-week basis. 10 tackles for loss is a gigantic number for a defense in a single game. Uh, they were masterful in bottling up Justin Fields in the pocket. The defensive ends were outstanding in terms of preventing uh, any escape lanes from manifesting themselves and presenting themselves to Justin Fields. They made him a pocket quarterback in that game. The coverage was good enough on the back end, and those guys squeezed the pocket down and just choked him out. He had nowhere to go. A lot of times he was retreating 8, 10, 12 yards into the offensive backfield just to get the ball off. And there were about five batted passes in the game as well. So, I mean, just a masterful job by Buffalo's defensive front. They were the MVPs of that football game, even though the Bills put 35 points up. Yeah, and and I know this too, that as we've seen in some of these losses the Bills take, you know, that of the, in the, uh, and even some of the wins, uh, particularly the wins, the media and some of the guys who follow the team and in fans too, they start, you know, throwing darts at what the bill, how the bills looked in the game. Right. Um, yeah. It's a win, but wow. You know, Josh, re- Josh threw two picks. They were minus two. The last play of the game was a turnover by, by Nathan Peterman. Who'd have yeah. thought. So that was the final, that might be the true Christmas gift that, yeah, that the bills but here's the thing. at the end of the game. Here's the thing though. Yeah. They were, they were minus two in turnover ratio in this game before that last interception, they were mine. They finished minus one before it was over minus three and minus three. They had three so, turnovers. Yes. But the bears had one as well. Yes. Uh, and then they had two, the bears had ended up with two because of that last interception. Um, they had, a, yeah. So they were minus two in the turnover margin. And you go back and look at how hard it is to win in the NFL with a minus two turnover margin. It doesn't happen very often. That's how good the bills are. Yeah. Josh threw that one deep down the three, and and, and uh, I know a lot of people were chirping about uh, Archuleta. Uh, he was actually right on the money when Josh predetermined that first interception when he came back late and threw the one down the field to McKenzie, and the corner off corner who was at the line of scrimmage at the snap jumped all the way back into the deep zone and sloughed off. Yeah. Uh, that was a good. That was a good play defensively that caught even you know even. And Josh, it would have caught a lot of guys because the guy came from nowhere where you yeah. didn't think he was going to come. Anyway, the point is the problems with the Bills and the style points that people love to take away, even in victory for the Buffalo Bills, because oh, they didn't look dominant. They didn't look they, they had a couple of turnovers. Listen, those are still they're fixable because they're your own guys. You don't you have to worry about facing a team who makes Josh throw in or exceptions you know they don't have to worry about facing a team that does things to the buffalo bills that cause them problems this is the bills are the bills are for real the the stuff that makes them not look polished is all within their own helmets you know it's not anything the defenses or offenses are doing against them to get them i think the worst thing that happened in that game was josh had zero pass rush to be concerned about he there were times he had seven eight seconds to throw the ball. And then once he realized that, I think he was like, well, I'm going to hang here for an extra second and see if something opens up downfield. And he kind of fell into that trap 
of pushing the ball downfield more. And that's why they got off to the slow start that they did, because much like the trap he fell into in week nine against the Jets, he wanted to keep pushing the ball down the field, getting the big play on that throw, that first interception to McKenzie. I'm pretty sure Diggs was running an underneath crosser and he was wide open in the intermediate area. And Josh instead decided to push it down the field to the smallest receiver on his team in what amounted to a jump ball situation and double coverage. And as, as hard as Isaiah McKenzie plays and works for his quarterback, he's not winning that. He's just not winning that battle. Right. Uh, so, and even Josh said after the game, it was an ill-advised decision on his part. So one of the things too, they threw the ball 26 times, right? You know, um, not a bunch. I mean, Davis, Gabe had six targets. Knox had five. Right. And Gabe had the Singletary had, the had three. Singletary had three. And nobody else had more than two. I mean, they didn't, you know, they just didn't throw it. But I'll say this, too. They're of, of the in the game. Uh, there were. Ten guys who got targeted in the game. That's yeah. that's pretty impressive. Ten guys got a target in this game. McKenzie got two targets, didn't catch any. But every nine other guys caught balls in this game. That's big, and that's hard to get a mind, your mind around as a defense. What do you make of Josh unsolicited after the game making a point of saying he's got to get the ball to Stefan Diggs more? Is that a byproduct of Josh recognizing that, you know, Stefan wants to be more involved on a weekly basis and said, well, I, I better acknowledge that in some way, shape, or form so he knows – I no, I think it's no, I think it's genuine. That? I think it's genuine. I don't think he's trying to manipulate or appease his buddy. I think they're they're good friends. They'll talk about yeah. it. Yeah. And they'll see it on film. There's no here's the thing. Well, most people don't realize when these guys watch the film, I mean, it's it's pain not painfully, it's an unbelievably obvious which guy where the ball should go on a given play. And I played with a whole yeah. first ballot hall of fame guy, and he'll and be and because good great ones do this. They own it. Josh will say, yeah, I got to, I just got to hit digs right there, you know, yeah. and he'll say it. And he'll say, that's a, you know, he'll acknowledge it. And there'll be other so, guys like too. So it, it's just, you go over it and you say, you got to take it. And when, like the thing you said, the shallow cross to digs, Josh is saying, I'm trying to wait. Cause I got time. I'm trying to wait to get it deep, you know, and yeah. Steph will accept that. He goes, I get it. You know? Okay. Um, that's just the way you got to do it. And I'll say this too. I don't think it was really smart or because, you know, in hindsight, I can say this. I didn't know it then. I think the wind was really moving the ball around. I saw it move it from well, certain wind. camera angles on the, on the, on the broadcast. So I know it was something that Josh had to put a f- heat on everything. If you lo- if you put a high arcing ball up in the, yeah, you can't put touch player, on a ball yeah, in a game like that. It wasn't going to throw. So I think, you know, he was trying to make decisions with that also back in the mix as well. And it, and it, you know, it causes you not to tra- target digs so much. All right. So you chalk that comment up to maybe just Josh having the self-awareness that he does more than anything else. I was just curious. I wanted a second interpretation of that. So yeah, that's I think why I was asking you, I wasn't sure, but I just kind of wanted to cement it in my head. That's just Josh being self-aware. Yeah, I don't think Josh is standing there on the side. And I, don't, I know Jim used to do this too. Um, they're not on a play to play series to series, you know, frame of mind saying, oh, man, I haven't, I haven't hit digs in a minute. What are we going to do? You're not thinking like that. What you're thinking right. is, okay, here's what we're going to do next. we got to run this. we got to run this far formation with the zip motion, and I want to get this guy, and I'm going to see if I can get him in this coverage and see if we can get a guy. You're not thinking about, well, I'm going to see if I can find digs on that play. 
you're you're taking each play as it comes and going where you think. And let's face it, if if he on three other plays finds digs and two of them are for touchdowns or catch and run, whatever, whatever, we're not having this conversation. And it's only a handful of plays that we're talking about. And they only threw it 26 times to begin with. So this is it's minor stuff, it's relationship stuff, and you have no problem. You know that when you're going to need him, Diggs is going to be out there and he's going to be ready. So, you know, you just kind of move on and say, God, I got to do better. And it's a 22-point win. Yawn, you know. Yeah. Uh, the wind, if anything, affect the kicking game more than any other phase of the game. Naheem Hines was having a devil of a time with punts and kickoffs yeah. as the ball was moving all over the place. And Tyler Bass was battling the conditions as well. The only guy who was completely unaffected in the kicking game by the wind was Sam Martin. What right. a game that guy had. Um, yeah, he, did. he flipped the field a couple of times for the bills Big. when they were in that lull in the first half offensively, they got backed up a couple of times. He had that 62 yarder that completely flipped the field. It was a huge play that just kind of goes unnoticed. You know, a lot of people, unfortunately, and no offense to you on this, Steve, but a lot of people <laughs> when they're watching the game at home and the punt team comes out, they get up and go get their next snack. Uh, when they're sitting right. at home. Yeah, um, they had yeah, that 62 he, yard punt was fantastic because it was into the wind. Yeah, the Bills punted three times in the whole game with a 53.7 average. Their net, their net punt in this game was 49 yard, 49.7, yeah. almost 50 yards net punt. Right. That, but it, I don't think the TV did justice to how bad the wind was down there yeah. the only the only indicator that fans at home had of how bad the wind was were the were the pants of the officials that were rippling right. in I'll the say, wind like a flag on the top of a flagpole i know that a lot of people were totally bummed that hines couldn't get up to one of the short punts they uh, the bears punted four times he couldn't i think it was maybe on the first punt or maybe the second punt he tried to run one, up on yeah. it and it dropped and it rolled all the way down inside we the five yard line. Yards on that. Right. Let me say this. Job one in a special teams play is that when it's over, your team has the ball. That's job one. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to go up and try and dive or get in or bust through two guys that are engaged, trying that are the ball's coming right down near them, and you're going to try and run up on those guys and catch the ball at the same time. That and plus the ball's moving around in the wind like it was. Yeah, he fought another one that he Hines caught. has and yeah, he dropped, he put a kickoff on the ground. So yeah. it he gotta you gotta cut those guys some slack and know that in the big scheme of things, every punt and every kickoff ended up with job one happening. The Bills had the ball when it was over. Yeah. And you take what you can get, no question. Hines did have a nice, I think I think he had one pretty good return. Uh he had three punts, three punt returns for 21 yards. Uh, and he had four kickoff returns for 75. So, yeah, you know what? I get it. You don't want to give up that field position, but you got to end up with the ball. And if you if it takes letting it drop and getting away from it, do it. Uh, nobody. It's the hardest job in football, but the most pressure-packed gut job in football because the whole team, like the Bills, could be playing – gangbusters win the game by 22 points you could lose it with a couple of bad decisions on punt return so i'm okay with Hines. i get it the the ball was impossible to field at different times 
So you kind of got to shrug your shoulders, say that's where the conditions really showed up. Right. And, you know, you think about the fact that the Bills had three giveaways in this game. And again, I'm going to point to the defense who get full marks in carrying this team to victory, in my opinion. Three turnovers by the Bills. The defense allows the Bears to score three points off those three turnovers. Three. And the best part for me, Steve, for my money was in the fourth quarter because, you know, you get to the fourth quarter there and the Bears have the ball. And that was off of the Gabe Davis fumble at the end of the third quarter. It spills, it spills into the fourth quarter and they've got it at the Buffalo 23 yard line to start the fourth quarter after the turnover, they get to third and two Shaq comes up up with a big tackle for loss on David Montgomery for minus one. Now it's fourth and three. The bears decide they're going to go for it. Um, you know, cause it's 21 10 at this point. Mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter and fields hits Ryan Griffin, the tight end with that short pass, Trey whites in coverage. He tackles him right at the line to gain. It's ruled the first down coach McDermott challenges it. It's reversed. So they get the turnover on downs. And then Josh two plays later throws a pick on a, on a pass intended for cook. The defense got to come right back out on the field again, this time in the red zone at the right. Buffalo 18 yard line. And they still hold him out of the end zone and force a field goal. I mean, yeah. you and I, Steve, were talking about four point plays on our Bills by the Numbers podcast last week. That's a that's a gigantic four point play there where the Bears start the drive in the red zone and they lose yardage. They go back two yards on three plays. Yeah. And they only give up a field goal. I mean, I, it was big. It was, was lights a, out. It was a gargantuan defensive effort. Certainly the, the uh, Chicago team is struggling. At, they were at three and uh, whatever they were coming into this game, three and 11, just the opposite of the Bills. And you just, you'd needed, you needed, you wanted the Bills to flex a little bit in this game. They did. Uh, they didn't have their best game. They won by 22 points, kind of going away. They threw the late touchdown to Dawson Knox on a fourth and short or on a third and short. Um, they just absolutely were, they had too much for the Chicago bears to handle. They did, they played a little bit conservative threw the ball only 26 times. The conditions dictated that certainly they know that there was some, you know, the couple of picks by Josh and a fumble by Gabe Davis. That's a big crusher, but that's all stuff that's inside their locker room. It's not something they, they have to worry about an opponent doing to them. And I think that's the thing you take away from this and over the last month and a, sat, a month or so Brownie, before we go to a break. This team, there's nothing that a, that any team has. Uh, certainly, there are great teams, and the Cincinnati Bengals are a great example of that. Yeah. But the Bills can match up with anybody's strength, strength on strength, strength on strength, strength on strength. But they also have the ability to exploit whatever their team, the other team doesn't do well. And Josh is the great X factor on top of that. That's why this team's the number one seed going into this Monday night game. That's why they're, they've lost three games by a total of eight points, and two of those games – they had no business losing because of the conditions in Miami. And they got, you know, the, they had three game stoppers in against Minnesota that went catastrophically wrong. Um, that's where you're sitting with this team. And that's the way a game against the Chicago Bears team that's built the way they are right now. That's exactly the way this game should have went. And it did. Um, style points aside, that's the kind of game you win going away. And the Bills did it. Right. 
and now basically at 12 and three this season uh, combined with the four wins at the tail end of last season. Bills are killing it, man. What'd you say? 16 and four in their last 20. Now they just added another win to that total. Yeah. So 17, 17 and four in their, four last, in their 20, last 21. Yeah. And the losses were two over uh, one, an overtime loss in the championship game or in the division round, an overtime loss and three other wins by eight points total. And two of those losses were serious. I mean, yeah. unbelievable. Like you can't believe you lost them. So yeah, they're a tough out. Break time for us here. When we come back, we'll hear from some of the players and head coach Sean McDermott in a fresh edition off of the win over Chicago of Sound Bits. We'll bring that to you next here on a Buffalo Victory Monday on One Bills Live presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on a Buffalo Victory Monday, two days removed from Buffalo's 35-13 win over the Chicago Bears on the road in week 16. And it's time now for us to bring you this week's edition of Sound Bits, presented by Tim Hortons. Here's some of the top quotes from head coach Sean McDermott and Bill's players after their win over the Bears to claim their third straight AFC East division title. I'm really happy for the organization. Uh, three three AFC East championships in a row, and uh, that's hard to do. It's hard to get one, let alone three in a row. It shows a lot of you know the mental toughness that this team has. Um, you know, being able to deal with adversity, and, and you know, it just shows that you know we got it. We got a lot of great leaders on this team, and a lot of young guys that that is just bought into to everything that we do here. So it's, it's pretty special. But like I said, you know, we got a lot of football left and we want to continue to get better. OTAs, training count, you know, that's our first up. Like, we want to win the division. And then next, you know, playoff time and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's just another our first up where we're trying to go to. So it's a great honor. You know, we got it on the road in a cold environment. Uh, we didn't let that phase us at all. I mean, it's huge. It means everything to us. And we know we had to step up. And that's what we're going to keep doing down the line, you know. 
we got to finish this season strong, and uh, we're, you know we're excited for everything that's coming coming our way in the future. We just got to keep working, taking it week by week, game by game. The dudes put into this room. I mean, the dudes, the staff, everybody in the building to stay after today. So I mean, great to get it done for the third time in a row. You know, that's just the next step of where we wanted to be. Um, you know, have home playoff games, win the division, um, and now we're just on to the next step. So. Um, that's the standard we want to create for this franchise. So um, thankfully, it's nothing new to us, and we want to just keep building on what we got right now. The standard always been playoff caliber, and after we you know set a playoff berth, then it's championship caliber, and championship caliber is, is winning your division and winning the winning our side, and then obviously playing in, the, in that game and, and winning that game. It's, it's the next progression in our in our goal. Um, obviously, playoffs, division title, and you know, we know what the next one is. So. I uh, got a couple more games to, to put our best foot forward and, and just try to go execute to the best of our ability. So that is Sound Bits presented by Tim Hortons. I thought Ed Oliver's responses, Steve, to the plan against Justin Fields was pretty straightforward. Yeah, Keep him in the pocket. I mean, that's really all it was about. That is, yeah, it's interesting because you get the idea because of what he said. I mean, they talked about it a lot. And so you're you're thinking, Ed, is it they're saying, listen, this is the book on the guy. If you keep him in the pocket, don't chase him around, make him throw from the pocket, um, you're gonna he's gonna struggle. To me, the Chicago coaching staff at the end of the season or even now makes makes Justin Fields listen to that. He's got to yeah. get better from the pocket. I mean, that's if you want any idea, I mean, that is part and parcel of what makes guys get better. They got to be willing to listen to that and get better at it. Yeah. And I was actually incorrect about my tackle for total loss total for the Bills in the game. It wasn't 10. They actually finished with 11 tackles for yeah. loss. Most of those were on fields. Ed was actually pretty annoyed after the game that he didn't have two sacks. He was credited with one. I was kind of perplexed by it as well because Justin Fields had an aborted snap and then tried to run back to the line of scrimmage, and Ed got him before he got there, and I assumed that would qualify as a sack. The only thing I can think is he declared himself as a runner after the aborted snap. He's not a quarterback anymore. I mean, he can still throw it. I was confused by that, and maybe they'll maybe the official scorers will change it, back to us or to a sack it was announced as a sack in the press box so right well here's kind of got robbed of a sack in that on the team on the on the nfl gsis website that the tackles for loss and yardage in the run game alone they only had six tackles for loss with the running backs or anybody other than the quarterback uh the bills had zero for zero they never took a loss on a running play where they handed off that's how that's kind of day it was yeah, you know that's and, the kind and, of day it was. And the reason there were so many other tackles was because they throw so many bubble screens and stuff. And to the credit of you know the linebackers and the corners, they were making tackles at the line or behind the line of scrimmage as well. That's why they ended up with so much. It wasn't just the D line; it was the guys yeah. in the back seven as well. It was just front to back. the The defensive performance was so solid, and I was I was happy for. Leslie Frazier, you know, coming back to Chicago where he played his professional career, you know, that's the that's the thing that really kind of had me happy for him. Um, 
you know, going back to his old stomping grounds and getting that. So that's kind of where it's at. Uh, wow. Some breaking news in the NFL. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero is reporting that the Broncos have fired head coach Nathaniel Hackett. I guess we have even less of a chance of hoping that the Broncos can beat the Chiefs next week. Or, Steve, does it work the other way? Are they more inspired to beat the Chiefs this week? Interesting to see. And we haven't heard yet because we're just we're still we got this just like everybody else. Just this minute. It'll be interesting to see who the interim guy is. Right. Um, It's got to be somebody in house, obviously. Sure. Um, And I, you know, you I don't know who's going to be. They also have, you know, now everybody's, you know, is their GM going to go to you know, who's that, it going to be? Usually, that usually doesn't happen until after the draft, right? Because he's got other stuff. He's got to, you know, you're not going to ax a GM now, right? Like, I, I wouldn't think nah, so. Yeah, I don't think so. But I, it, there's no word in, in any of the stuff I'm looking at right now that they George pick, Patton is the GM there. Yeah, George Patton. I've never, I haven't seen anything yet on who's going to be the interim. And I, and you're right, Brownie. I, this actually, to me, <laughs> it almost makes it better for the Broncos going in against the chiefs. Yeah. You know, cause the Broncos be, will be inspired this week. Well, they'll they be the playing, one week inspiration. Well, they're every excuse is going to be made. They have no consequences for losing this game. They're supposed to lose the game. Now yeah. all they got to do is go out and play free and easy and show off and play. Let's go. You know, I it's to me, this is everything that says, you know, Hey, we, uh, yeah, we're, we're we're gonna go. We're, we're gonna go play. I, I I think it really relieves a lot of the pressure inside the building when you fire a head coach like this. Yeah, there is other news uh, in the NFL. Jets quarterback Mike White has been cleared by doctors today. He will start on Sunday against Seattle. That's on the road. That's according to Brian Costello, who is a New York Jets beat reporter for the New York Post. Yeah. So, I- Awesome, but it's too late. Well, it's not. I mean, the Dolphins lost again. Well, they're helping to leave the the door open. The Jets could get nine and eight and squeeze in. I mean, they need help, right? Right. They need help. But think about this. If the Dolphins lose this week and the Jets win, week 18 could determine whether it's the Jets or the Dolphins getting in as the final seed. Let's go. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Man, how great would it be? The Jets making it. That's awesome. All right, so hold on. Let's just throw this hypothetical out there. If we know the last playoff seed, the seventh seed, has a chance to be. I know where you're going. Either the Jets the Dolphins, I mean, we're all hoping that the Bills get the number one seed, so they get the right. bye, and then they wait and see who the Jets and or Dolphins would play, presumably Cincinnati or Kansas City, if it's not Buffalo themselves. The Bills got the, the Jets Mi- I think home, Miami. Right? I think Miami's the more dangerous team because they can keep up with those teams offensively. The Jets can't keep up with those teams. Well. Their defense is great, but. Well, that's the thing. I here's, don't know here's if they're thing. holding the Chiefs let me just, down. Though. Let me just say this: that opening, say, say for instance, it 
everything happens like everybody, all the critics are saying the bill, there's no way the bills keep the one seed because they're going to lose to Cincinnati and then beat the Patriots. It's going to be the chiefs. Then the bills at two, then yada, 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 all the way down the line. It don't matter. Cause whoever the chief, the bills play in that first round is going to get thumped. The bills are going to show up in that game at home with the mafia and they are going to thump, whether it's the dolphins, the jets, whether it's, uh, whether it's the, uh, Titans, Ravens, whether it's the <laughs> Ravens, whatever, the Titans, the Chargers, Baltimore. It right now it's Jacksonville. Yeah. Or or it's not Jacksonville. But Jacksonville's the four seed. Yeah, they're so they're the I, division leader in the AFC. The set. problem th- that ain't that ain't the thing. The thing is the championship, the division round and the championship game. That's the thing. That's the thing. If you're gonna if you're gonna go one and done in the playoffs this year, who cares whether you're the one seed or the or the four seed or the quick seven seed? Yeah, quickly, Steve. There's a statement from uh, Broncos owner and CEO Greg Penner uh, after talking about how they're dispatching of Nathaniel Hackett as head coach. Following extensive conversations with George Patton in our ownership group, that's the GM. We determined a new direction would ultimately be in the best interest of the Broncos. This change was made now out of respect for everyone involved. It allows us to immediately begin the search for a new head coach. Um, I'm trying to see. Oh, here it is. I will lead our head coaching search. George Penner talk. uh, Yeah, Greg Penner talking here. I will lead our head coaching search with support from our ownership group and George, whom I have confidence in as our general manager. So the general manager is staying put. It's just Hackett that's out the door. I'm trying to see if they named an interim. Doesn't look like they have. Uh, So we'll just keep our ear to the ground to see if there's information on that. When we come back, Steve, in addition to talking more about the Bills win over the Bears, I'm going to share with you a stat about the Miami Dolphins in the month of December. (laughs) It's going to make your head spin. We'll talk about it next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. New York Lottery's biggest gift presented by the New York Lottery. Dream big this season with holiday scratch-off games for your chance to win up to $1 million. You must be 18 years or older to purchase a lottery ticket. Please gift responsibly. And the biggest gift in the win over the Bears, Steve, was the unbelievably productive rushing attack. 254 yards. They averaged 8.2 yards per carry. Against the Bears, it was their most rushing yards in a single game since 2016. It illustrates what I was saying earlier in the show, um, and this is why I kind of got here over the weekend. If you if you have a team that stinks in any area, maybe they've got a dominant pass rush, maybe they've got a dominant secondary, maybe they've got a great run defense, or maybe they've got one. All that's well and good, but if you stink, at anything in your game, the Bills are good enough to t- exploit it and beat you with it. That's what they have proven over the course of this season. The Bills' run game has not been dominant. It's been an afterthought at times during the season. It's been non-existent at times. It's been frustratingly bad at times. But if you stink at re- defending the run, the Bills are still good enough to beat you with it. 
If your secondary stinks, they can beat you with that. If you can't run stop, they can beat you. If they, all that stuff. That's what this has really illustrated to me down the stretch here over the last six or eight weeks when, you, when you're trying to get a handle on who the Bills really are. They match up better maybe than any team in the NFL. You've got a team like Miami. They're going to beat you with a big – they can win if they can hit big plays on you, and it doesn't matter how the rest of their team matches up. Same thing with the Chiefs. They can score. They, can, you know, they always have been able to. Yeah. And they just outscore you. Forget it. Um, the Bills match up with those teams in, in, in those regards. So I think with the run game showing up like it has in the last couple of weeks, and if you, it shows that if, if your team has weaknesses, the Bills don't. They'll exploit it. They're right. good enough in every aspect of football to beat you if you're bad enough if you're bad in any area of your game and that's that's really a testament to the coaching staff and Brandon Bean and what we thought this team was going to be coming into this season certainly it doesn't always look great but the matchups are always the bills are always the superior team or always you know seem to be that is true that is true i will i will buy that for a dollar that is uh, new york lottery's biggest gift uh so yeah i mean i don't I don't know that anybody thought the Bills couldn't run the ball. I was kind of encouraged. And when Devin Singletary was at the postgame lectern after the game on Saturday, I asked him, hey, you know, last year at this time, your run game really kicked into gear and kind of made you an unstoppable force on offense. I asked him if he felt like it was getting back to that again. And he wouldn't go that far. And I think it's partly because they knew they were playing an inferior opponent. I mean, the bears have now lost eight in a row. Um, They arguably have half a roster of real NFL players that are going to play in this league for a while. The other half is going to be guys bouncing around on practice squads and stuff. It was a total teardown in Chicago and then injuries have only compounded it. So I think motor was a little hesitant to go that far, but certainly That performance is a step in the right direction. And I'm just going to say this about James Cook. He looks like he is playing faster now with respect to his decision-making. There were times early in the season, and you expect this from rookies to a certain extent, the game is still a little fast for them. And so his decision-making with his cutting and stuff like that, sometimes he'd be indecisive and get caught at the line of scrimmage or for a minimal gain as a result. He was putting his foot in the ground and going on Saturday. Right. And when he does that, what a difference. Yeah, uh, you could tell. And you're right. Um, the Bears aren't really the yardstick for run defense in the, the NFL at this point in history. No question about it. And I think that's why it was a little bit of a surprise. And I think I'm with Devin as well. Um, you could make an argument that – you know, the things are happening in, in the way this season is progressing exactly like they do every year. See, teams get a handle on who teams really are. They got a whole list of games they can look at film-wise and evaluate aspects of the offense. And when teams look at the Bills, it's hard to get around 17. You know, it's hard to get your mind around coming up and matching up against Josh. So they start saying, listen, okay, if we do this, he does that. If we do that and this, then we leave ourselves thin here. You know, so what, so I think teams are getting to the point, say, listen, if we can get them 
to run the ball a little and make it possible in it for him. At least Josh is not lighting us up and the game stays closer that way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I'm not going to give it all, you know, totally say they've, you know, given into analytics and that's what says, you know, it's the best way to match up with the bills, but that's what it looks like to me. They're getting to the you know last month of the season, just like where they were last year. They get to the New England game last year, and the Bills light up New England, and that's kind of when they make that last offensive line shift. Then the the running game starts to be a bigger factor, and then at the end of the season, Buffalo turns it on them and, and starts lighting them up. So, uh-huh. I yeah, it'd be great if that was the case this year, but I I that may be it. An, you know, a, an answer for that, but I can't be, a, I don't know. That's, that's kind of my opinion. Right. We are up against the break. So we will step aside here, come back with our number two, where we will not only talk more about the bills win over the bears and the gigantic game now looming a week from today in Cincinnati week 17, we'll take a closer look at the AFC conference race, both at the top, which concerns the bills and the bottom, and we'll also get you some more news on the firing of Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett and who the interim might be and what led to the firing ultimately. That's all coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 